1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of our podcast series, Beyond Markets. My name is Rishabh Saxena, and I'm the head of investment specialist Asia Pacific at Julius Baer. I'm joined by Mark Blunier, head of investment promotion and solutions, talking to us from Zurich. Hello, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Rishabh. I'm very glad to be here. Today, Mark and I will be discussing the current fixed income environment and its implications for investors' portfolios. While investors were expecting some volatility this year due to the Fed rate hikes, the massive bond price corrections have caught them off-guard. The Ukraine war in particular came as a surprise and added to the market's already precarious state. To get a sense of what's going on, let's start with the most recent market performance. Mark, could you give our listeners a quick rundown? of how the bond markets have performed
2: this year. Sure, Risha. No sugarcoating here. Investors have been seeing a pretty deep shade of red on their bond investments. Rising inflation has had an adverse impact on the global bond markets, making central banks less accommodative, pushing yields up and the value of a bond down. Reshop, should I make an example here to explain it to the listeners? Yeah, that'll be good, Mark. Say you own a bond that earns 2% and the rates on new bonds rise to 4%. Will an investor buy your bond at the original price? No, surely not, because they can get a higher interest income from a newer bond. Therefore, if you want to sell your bond, it must be priced lower in a way that it provides a yield of 4%. This is exactly why we have seen an adjustment in terms of global bond markets. If you look, for example, the Bloomberg aggregated index, which measures the overall return of government bonds, but as well of corporate bonds, this index declined by 11% as of April end. The 10-year Treasury yield note had similar returns. And within U.S. investment-grade bonds, the return was minus 12% and high-yield bonds minus 8%. So that looks like a very difficult year for bond market
1: investors, uh, irrespective of which segment you were exposed to. Closer home, uh, Mark, what's happening to emerging markets and also
2: if you could update us on the European markets? Yeah, sure. Happy to do so. Emerging markets, hard currency corporate bonds, which are dollar-denominated bonds, returned minus 12%, while hard currency government bonds performed the worst with minus 15%. And yes, now you think that you were able to escape in being a European investor. And no, not at all. Because for a euro, sterling, a swiss franc investor too, the picture does not look any different for example german government bonds investors have suffered 10% more generally it was a perfect storm for all the investors because equity markets too have suffered let's take for example the s&p index which is down by minus 13% if you look into the same time period but it's now even up to 20% down overall investors have found themselves in an environment void of any shelter with particularly nowhere to hide. I think that
1: clearly explains why investors have been on the sidelines. Data from the Investment Company Institute shows that investors have pulled money from bond funds on net for over 10 weeks, the longest losing streak since the end of 2013. What do you think was the reason for the underperformance of fixed income assets, Mark? This
2: year's Poor performance follows an already dismal second half of the year performance 2021. While last year's headwinds were a lack of central bank support and a rapid end of bond purchases, this year's concern are the harsh reality of rate hikes. Higher inflation and the resulting Federal Reserve shift to a more aggressive approach to rate hikes were the primary drivers for the yield surge. From being the bond market's best friend, Central Bank moved to the biggest enemy for now. That's indeed a big change from what we've seen over the past many
1: years. Mark, do you recall all the talk about inflation being transitory and not requiring intervention? Fighting a 40-year high inflation appears to have finally forced central banks to play catch-up. Could they have moved more gradually if they had
2: started earlier? Indeed. But all of the things, they certainly didn't expect 2022 to start off with a war. However, given that the different economies have varying degree of risk, not all central banks may be on the same page when it comes to rate hikes. Recently, the Bank of Canada decided to hike rates by 50 basis points. Yes, followed by a 50 basis points rate hike by the Federal Reserve and another 25 basis point by the Bank of England. But on the other hand, the ECB, the European Central Bank, has chosen not to raise rates yet, and the Bank of Japan remains very accommodative, and People Bank of China just recently decided to loosen monetary policy. But coming back to the Fed, what do you think, Rishabh? If the Federal Reserve keeps hiking rates won't bond prices keep falling? That's possible, Mark, but it all depends on what the
1: market has already factored in. Let's discuss the moderate duration part of the yield curve, which is where we should focus on from a risk-return perspective. If we look at the five-year US Treasury yield, it has moved up significantly from the 1.26% levels prevailing at the end of 2021 to around 2.9% now, having retraced from recent highs of above 3%. And why has this happening, Rishabh? Inflation expectations have rapidly gone up in line with the data, forcing the Fed to take a more aggressive rate hike stance. As we know, the bond market is forward-looking, and yields tend to rise in anticipation of changes to the federal funds rate. As of now, the market factors in the US Fed fund rate rising to around 2.75%, by end of the year, implying multiple rate hikes in the next few Federal Open Market Committee meetings. While these projections will keep changing with market data, the market has factored in a more aggressive rate hike cycle than what Julius Baer economists expect. While yields may go up further, resulting in lower bond prices, the magnitude of such moves for moderate-duration bonds will likely be much smaller than the price declines already seen this year. Of course, the price of bonds is also impacted by credit spread movements which we will speak about soon. Let's shift gears now. There's been a lot of talk lately about the inversion of the Treasury yield curve. In particular, the inversion of the two-tenths curve, that is the short-term US Treasuries paying a higher interest rate than long-term US Treasuries. This occurred at the end of the last quarter and lasted a couple of days. The signal is usually believed to indicate an imminent recession. What do you think about this, Mark?
2: Yeah, Rishabh, that's a very, very challenging question to answer here. We are getting mixed signals. While, yes, as you outlined, the yield curve indicates a possible recession, corporate fundamentals argue against it. Moreover, the US and the European private sector are not showing any signs of external imbalances, such as of those in the year 2001, when we have seen excessive capital expenditure in the Internet sector, or you can also take the year 2008, where we have seen excessive housing sector investments. Our analysts believe that inflation should start to roll over, As the commodity supply chain bottleneck effects from the pandemic, but as well from the Ukraine crisis, is starting to fade. The US inflation rate has now declined for the first time in the last nine months, which signals that the inflation rate is peaking. I would say, all in all, a recession is not our base case scenario, Rishabh. But let's say that if there is
1: an increased risk of recession along the way, Would it be correct to say that we would see possibly less monetary tightening?
2: Yes, clearly we would see that. But on the other side, if we see more growth and higher inflation, then we will possibly see as well higher rates. That being said, it's important to understand that we are talking about unexpected inflation here and not what is already priced in in financial markets. It's publicly known and fully priced in that U.S. inflation will be running somewhere around 6% this year. Thanks, Mark. So let's now
1: uh, change track from central banks to what is the investor's mindset at this point in time. What do you think, Mark, investors are thinking
2: about? Rishabh, I need to hand over that question back to you because you are very, very close to clients and I really would like to ask you the question, you know, that you can share with our listeners the latest trends which you observed and what feedback and concerns you are getting from the clients. Thanks, Mark.
1: With massive rate moves coupled with credit spread widening, almost all fixed income investors are facing severe mark-to-market losses across all currencies and segments which really hurts if someone looks at their current portfolio. To explain better, credit spreads refer to the premium investors' demand to hold corporate credit over safer US Treasury bonds. Spreads often widen during times of financial stress, hurting the prices of corporate bonds. In my opinion, this current combination of higher rates and credit spread widening makes it attractive to go back to the fixed income market because of a decent yield. Our preference is for moderate duration, say less than five-year bonds with high-grade credit exposure
2: to keep the credit and rate risks on the lower side. That's very interesting, uh, Rishabh. But is it not the case on a comparative base, investors find bonds less appealing than equities because of the higher inflation scenario? Because exactly in that type of market environment, People don't want to buy nominal claims, which by essence bonds are. They rather want to go into real assets such as equities and the like. Is that not the case, Rishabh?
1: They're not wrong in thinking that way, Mark. But diversification is very important in investment portfolios. It should not be a case of one versus the other. With relatively short maturities of say three to five years, you can now get to 4% yield. Four percent, Rishabh, that sounds very decent. Let me clarify that the four percent is for investments in USD investment grade bonds, and I agree with you, Mark, that sounds attractive. You could even get higher if you have risk appetite for high yield bonds. To me, that does not sound bad at all. But I must emphasize here the importance of quality when you do the credit selection to reduce downside risk. With that, we have reached the end of today's episode. We have a lot more to talk about, but that's all we have time for today. We will be back soon with part two of this episode where we will deep dive into some actionable ideas. We hope you enjoyed and found this discussion helpful. On behalf of Mark and all our colleagues at Julius Baer, thank you for listening and goodbye.
0: You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research.